So here we are again, and uh, before I start preaching, I just want to offer some thank yous. Uh, First of all, thank you uh, for those of you who stuck with us last Sunday on Facebook Live. I know that there were some uh, server issues with Facebook, and many of us found ourselves being pushed back to the beginning of the service. And um, the good news in that is that God's word was going out. There were so many churches and so many pastors proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ that I think Facebook was actually overwhelmed. And so um, some of you went to our Vimeo channel, some of you came back to Facebook and watched that with us. And as I watched the first time and I saw it stop, uh, I have to admit that I was a little bit frustrated at first. But then thinking through that, I was just reminded once again how God is very good at uh, reminding me that I'm not in charge, that no matter how much I think I can control and put together and hold together, that God is the one who is ultimately in control and in charge of our lives. So um, so thanks for hanging in there. Secondly, I want to thank you for your ongoing financial generosity. It allows us to continue to do the work uh, that we have been called to do. One of the really cool things that happened last week is uh, we support a number of our mission projects through our operating budget. And because you all have been generous in the month of March, we were able to send our quarterly checks to our mission partners as a way of encouraging them to keep doing the good work that God has called them to do. It is hard on a lot of our mission partners right now. And so I want to thank you because of your financial generosity, we were able to bless others. And finally, I want to thank you for some really good questions. We're in this new sermon series that we're starting today uh, based on some of the questions that you all sent me. Now, I got a lot of questions and that was great and I'm not going to be able to cover all of them. But what I've tried to do is fit them into different sorts of categories. And so This morning, we're going to start by talking about the exclusivity of Christ, exclusivity of Christ, where he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to talk about um, evil and suffering and how does that work itself out. We're going to talk about the issue of sin. Uh, We're going to talk about the issue of heaven and hell, and we're going to talk about prayer. So for the next five weeks, those are the categories that we're going to be covering. This morning, we take a look at the exclusivity of Christ. Is Jesus the only way? And oftentimes, this is a difficult conversation for us to have uh, with our friends who are not followers of Jesus. Uh, It doesn't sound very loving. It doesn't sound very caring. And so what we want to do is we're going to take a look at John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. And the important thing I want you to remember as we start reading this text is who Jesus is speaking to. It is right after he has washed the disciples' feet in John chapter 13. And it's basically Jesus and the disciples. And he unpacks this message about the way, the truth, and the life. But it's a message for the disciples. It's not a speech or a talk that he gives to a large audience that often followed him. And sometimes I think as as Christians and other believers, we have have used this message as, as kind of like a hammer and said, This is what you must believe. You either believe this or you're going to hell. And and I'm not quite sure that's exactly what Jesus was getting at, because this was an intimate circle of believers. This was his disciples. And so we're going to take a look at John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. And here's what we read. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, 
that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. A lot of what we're going to be talking about in a little bit has to do with the idea of relationship. But as I mentioned earlier, this passage is sometimes a stumbling block for people, for our Jewish friends, for our Muslim friends, for those people who, um, who live really good lives, who care deeply for people, who show compassion and love to the least of these. And sometimes that conversation immediately goes, well, why wouldn't they be in heaven? Now, like I said earlier, we're going to be talking about heaven and hell in a couple of weeks. So I'm not going to spend much time or actually any time this morning on that topic. But I do want to talk about what it is that we just read. Jesus was talking to the apostles. He's talking about a relationship that he longed for them to have with him and ultimately with God. That this is really the thrust and the goal of the Christian faith. And I also want us to think about when the Gospel of John was written and who it was that John was writing to. He was not writing in a Christian context. He was not even writing in a post-Christian context. He's writing in a pre-Christian context. And that context mattered because the believers that he was writing to were surrounded by the Greco-Roman idolatry and were surrounded by the idols and and, and all the different uh, teachings of the Greco-Roman world. And so there was a struggle with this idea of saying, you've got to remember that in Jesus Christ, we find our hope. It's not in any of these other gods. It's not in any of these other idols. It is only in Jesus Christ. And so as John writes his gospel, he wants to continue to hammer on that point, to make that point clear, that the relationship to Jesus ultimately matters. Well, the disciples, as we pick up our text this morning, are not in a good place. Their hearts are troubled because at the end of John chapter 13, Jesus has said to them, after he's washed their feet, he says to them, you know, here's my path. I have to give my life. I have to lose my life. And I have to return to the Father. And this troubles the disciples greatly. 
Their hearts are troubled. They're, they're very concerned by what it is that they are hearing. And what he does, though, in the beginning of that text and that passage that we read, he, he talks to them, though, that he's going to prepare a place for them. He's going to prepare a room for them. That he's doing something for them. And I think this is one of the things that's really important about the gospel message. And, and we've talked about this even in the church, that, that sometimes people know what the church is against, rather than they know what the church is for. And what Jesus makes it makes so abundantly clear in this text with his disciples who are troubled there is he's saying, I am with you, and I am for you, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And it's at that point then as he begins describing that and talking about that, that he's going to this place that Thomas says to him in verse 5, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus, we don't know where you are going. And it is in that moment then that Jesus replies back, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. But if you think about that, that's, that's relationship language. That ultimately what Jesus is trying to get the disciples to see and to understand is that if they know him, they know the Father, and that the, the purpose of Jesus coming is to help people to know God, to open our eyes, to open the disciples' eyes to the reality of the loving God who longs to be in relationship with us. And so he starts to talk about that and knowing the way, the truth, and the life, and saying you can know the Father by knowing me. And then in verse 8, Philip has this kind of crazy question. He says, Lord, show us the Father. Show us God, and that will be enough. And can you imagine what Jesus was thinking as he heard that question? Like the miracles haven't been enough, the washing of the disciples' feet haven't been enough, the teaching hasn't been enough. That all of a sudden, Philip now has the audacity to say, God, or Jesus, if you just show us the Father, if you just show us God, that will be enough. But Jesus knew something. He knew that the miracles weren't helping people to come to know God better. Yes, they believed and yes, they saw them, but the many of those people had fallen away. And so now Philip is asking for this, if we can just see God, which is really kind of a, an impossible thing to even consider. And Jesus says, Philip, you've seen me. And because you have seen me, you have seen the Father. You can know the Father. And what the Bible is pointing us to, and what this book points us to, and what Jesus is pointing to, is this idea of being in relationship with God, of knowing God. And that's what distinguishes the Christian faith from, from the other faiths of the world. Jesus wasn't coming down here to say to us, this is how you must live if you want to get to heaven. These are the things you must do if you want to get to heaven. A lot of other religions are about works righteousness, doing the right things so that God will love us, so that when, the, when our time comes, God will smile on us and God will welcome us home because of the good works that we have done. But that's not the gospel message. That's not what Jesus is saying when he proclaims, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Because what he's proclaiming that is saying, I want to help open the door so that you might see God. 
And that distinguishes our faith from all the other faiths. This reality that God comes down in the flesh, lives amongst us, walks amongst us, eats amongst us, teaches amongst us. This is what is different. And this is what Jesus is getting at. He's saying, if you want to get to God the Father, you have to know me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And he's going to give his life for us so that we might have life. And this is what Philip and probably the other disciples don't understand. They still at this point have not fully grasped what the message of Jesus was all about. This is pre-Easter, pre-resurrection. And Jesus keeps pushing on this point of saying, it's all about relationship. That God longs to be in relationship with us. So this is the purpose. This is the point of what Jesus is all about. We cannot find God on our own. And so as Jesus says to his disciples, he says, But I have come that you might see the way, that you might know the truth, and that you might live the life. So if we think about relationships, and you think about being in relationship with someone else, that in order to be in relationship with someone else, that often involves giving up something of yourself. This is a part of what I really think Jesus is driving at. He's saying, if you're going to follow me, you have to understand that I am the way. And that that means that some things are going to have to give. Think about it in terms of a marriage. And I I want to say at this point, I'm extremely grateful for Tim Keller, who was the pastor at a Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. And, uh, and it's like this idea that I'm working with right now is his idea. Um, I would encourage you. Uh, he has a great book out called The Reason for God. And um, it wrestles with a lot of these issues that we're going to be wrestling with. Um, and just kind of dealing with the issue of apologetics and how we, we struggle through these issues of faith. Um, so if you want to check that out, it's The Reason for God by Tim Keller. But the idea is this. Is let's think about a relationship. Let's think about people that are dating who want to move to marriage. And as they get to know each other, and as they get to trust each other, they realize that they're going to have to say no to some things in their own life. No to some of their own strivings. No to some of their own desires. No to some of their own goals so that they can be together in relationship. It's what happened for Shannon and me, and I, I admit, I, I'm, I still struggle with that, of, of, of giving up my aspirations. But this is what Jesus is saying. Because in a marriage, it's saying to your spouse, your way, your truth, your life. And what Jesus is saying to his disciples and what he's saying to us is he's saying, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And I want your exclusive allegiance. That's if there's going to be an exclusivity in this this idea. It's that Christ is asking for our exclusive allegiance. It goes back to Exodus 20, verse 3, in the beginning of the Ten Commandments, the very first of the Ten Commandments. 
You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have an exclusive relationship. This is what God tells the people of Israel, that his relationship with them is to be an exclusive relationship. And this is what Christ is desiring from us. For us to have an exclusive allegiance to him. If we think about it, most people have some set or some subset of exclusive religious beliefs. Of what they do and don't believe about God or the creator or the uh, whatever, however it is that they would articulate that. We all have some sort of exclusive set of beliefs. But what distinguishes the Christian faith and what distinguishes Jesus is that he says, I'm coming down to make God known. It's not about our striving. It's not about our work. It's not about our efforts. And and I think a lot of people think that it is, that in order for us to reach paradise or heaven or the new earth and the new heaven, we'll talk about this in a couple weeks, it's about our striving and it's about our endeavors and it's about our efforts. But Jesus says, no. It's about me coming down and being in relationship with you. I want to show you the way. I want to express to you the truth. I want to bless you with life. So as I think about this, I think of three words that start with the letter R, of what it is when I think about who Jesus is, what it is that this is this, what is this exclusive claim that he has and, and the claim that, that, is, that has claimed my life, honestly. And here's the words. The first word is reconcile. That our world was a mess. That I was a mess. That I was in a broken relationship with God the Father. That I could not know him. And that that had to be reconciled. That had to be dealt with. And so Jesus is the great reconciler. He makes things right between God and me and God and you. He is the redeemer. He reconciles and he redeems. He promises life and life abundant. That's what he wants to give to us. He wants to redeem our lives So we might live out the kingdom of God right here and right now. And the final thing that he is about is he's about restoration. He's about restoring our lives and ultimately one day he will restore all things. Heaven and earth will come together and we'll live in glory and we'll live in beauty. And so when I think about who Jesus is to me, And who I think the scriptures describe him to be. He's the one who reconciles. He is the one who redeems. And he is the one who will one day restore all things. Even as he is restoring things right now. And what he longs for. And what he was telling his disciples. And what I believe he's telling us. Is he wants to be in relationship with us. This is the message that God has for us, that Christ has come 
not just to live amongst us and to love us, but to help us to see God, to know this all-loving God who simply wants to be in relationship with us. So Jesus asks us for our exclusive allegiance, that we will follow him, that we will recognize in him that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Pray with me, please. God, this is a message that um, that, that is one that we, we wrestle with. But in our wrestling, help us to see that it is a message of love and grace. No one is excluded from this invitation. We are all invited. We are all included. God simply wants us to know his love. And so Jesus says, follow me. Trust your life to me. Let me be the way, the truth, and the life. And so God, may you remind us once again that we have been reconciled to you, that we have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, that you are in the process of making all things new as you restore us. And guide us and lead us this day as we seek to love our neighbors, because Lord, that's what this faith teaches us. Uh, It is all about. It's about the love of neighbor. It's about being in relationship with one another. And as we do that, to help point people to the love of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.